Look, love transcends cultures, countries, languages. There's a common language that I speak to all of us. And just focus on the essentials. And some of the, the accidentals, they'll the, the take care of themselves. Just focus on the essentials. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today's Made for Love episode is about Catholics from different cultural or ethnic backgrounds who are married and navigating the ins and outs of family unity and diversity. I interviewed four couples for this episode, and I have to say, these were probably the most fun interviews that I've done so far because these couples all have a great sense of humor about their differences. It also gave me a renewed sense of appreciation for living in a country where all of this could happen. My name is Isais Martinez. Isais came to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic in order to attend graduate school. He and Christine have been married for three years. I'm Christine Martinez. I have two beautiful children. Theodore is two years old and Mariana is five months old. Christine is in residency for ophthalmology right now. I apologize that some of the audio on this interview is a bit rough. Isais reached out to Christine online. She ignored him. He tried again, and Christine was so sick of online dating that she told Isais to go pray about it, and if he still wanted to talk, they could Skype. I didn't think that we were going to be a good fit. In the back of my mind, I was thinking this is kind of a good way to maybe get rid of him quickly. But Isais was not daunted, and they set a date to talk. Christine almost canceled. Within about the first five minutes of our conversation, God placed it on my heart that this was going to be my husband. I don't think I've ever been so sure of anything in my entire life, but I was certain that this man that I had talked to for five minutes was going to be my husband. Christine called a friend the next day and told her that she had found her husband. Isais was just excited that Christine was interested. She was everything that I thought she was going to be in that conversation there. You know how sometimes like you... You hear about somebody and, you know, you get an idea like how that person would be in a real-life conversation. And, you know, she came across very sweet, very intelligent. I really liked it to the point that I think, like, I asked you to schedule the next time we're going to talk that day. I really, I couldn't get enough that evening. I wanted to keep the conversation going. Their cultural differences were immediately apparent. We obviously have very different backgrounds, so that gave us a lot of things to talk about as we were getting to know each other. Like, we Dominican people, we don't have a filter. We usually say things, and that was one of the things that I feel like I have to get used to understand that, like, the way it is in the VR, like, anybody can be, like, really honest with you, and you assume the good intentions of the person that, that you're speaking with, which is very different of how the social dynamics is in the U.S., where you really have to be careful with, with what comes out of your mouth. This lack of a filter is something that Christine encounters in this community that she's now a part of. But after the birth of his, our first son, um, I think I was maybe three weeks postpartum, and um, a close family friend was over at our house, had made us dinner, and she remarked that if I kept eating the way I was eating, I would never lose my baby weight. <laughs> and Isais knows a lot of people. He's very social. Our culture is collective. It's a collective culture, as opposed to the U.S., where it's more geared towards the individual. 
and as a collective culture, like everybody cares about each other. Like, well, just like if you were a relative, and we ex- in the neighborhood where I grew up, we would exchange meals with each other, and all of the, the kids that grew in the neighborhood, we became very close. And I feel close to a lot of these people that that I grew up with because you know we we went to the same school, we went to the same church. I have a lot of people that I consider like close friends. Another difference Christine noticed is a communication difference. I think Dominican men in general are very passionate. So, but the flip side of that is that um, when he gets angry, he also expresses his frustration passionately. And so, I think it's been challenging for us to figure out how to argue in a healthy way. We've definitely made progress the longer we've been married, but that has been a challenge. As an example, Isais was with two Dominican Republic friends in Italy. So we were talking like very loudly without noticing that, and somebody called the police on us at the train station, and the police came and they asked, why well, you guys you guys are fighting, are you going to start a fight? And I said, no, we're just talking. Like These two guys are priests. And we came together to the conversation with Mother Teresa. We we just chatting. I'm sorry, we're being so loud. We don't we we don't notice things like that. There are also little differences in day to day life. After we got married, I realized that my husband was crazy about locking doors. They always had to be locked, double locked, maybe always locked. I didn't really understand why that was, but then we went to the DR. And in the DR, in the town that he grew up in, San Francisco de Macorís, the school is surrounded by a very high fence. And homes are surrounded by fences. And so that's the culture he grew up in. You know, you prioritize safety. And that was just very different from my experience. And so learning that about his background helped me to understand that pet peeve of mine and where that came from. Now, when you marry someone, you also join a new family. Christine grew up in Michigan and didn't know any Hispanics growing up. So her family learned a lot when they met Isais, starting with getting his name right. Didn't she call you by the wrong name? She called me like something like Juan. And the food Isais made wasn't what Christine's family expected. I have a younger brother who is 11 years younger than me. His name is Michael. And Isais came to our house for the first time and offered to make sort of a traditional Dominican meal for my family. And my little brother asked him if he was making tacos. And my (laughs) husband said, no, tacos are Mexican, not Dominican. And my brother thought for a moment and he said, okay, so you're making fajitas or burritos. And my husband was like, nope, those things are Mexican too. And I think he listed a few other options as well. And finally, you know, my brother asked, so what are you making? And he told him he was making, you know, rice and beans and chicken and a green salad and, I think, avocado. And that's like a very traditional Dominican meal. We just laughed pretty hard because, you know, like me, my brother hadn't met very many Hispanics, so didn't have sort of a conception maybe that the food from different Hispanic cultures was different. The DR and Mexico are, you know, different countries. And on the other side, Isais' mother only speaks Spanish. Sarah, I was petrified. I had taken Spanish classes all growing up. So I believe I started taking Spanish classes in elementary school. I took them again in middle school. I took them throughout high school. I took a year of Spanish in college, but I almost switched my major in college so that I wouldn't have to take any more Spanish classes. Speaking a foreign language was terrifying for me. I think it's because I don't like to sound stupid. 
and um, speaking Spanish, I very frequently feel dumb um, because I know I don't sound the way that I should and I struggle to say things the appropriate way. This is a particularly big deal because Isais and Christine decided very early on in their relationship that his mother would live with them when they had children. This is standard in the DR, as well as pretty awesome if you're a woman in training to be a doctor. But it means that Christine had to get comfortable speaking in Spanish. It probably took maybe six months of her living with us for me to finally feel comfortable speaking Spanish. The Martinez's are going to be on other episodes in the future, so I'm going to wrap up their section here with Isaias's evaluation of his father-in-law. Yeah, I love my father-in-law to pieces. Like I always say, if I have, if somebody were to tell me, "Look, this is a machine, and you're gonna create your 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 ideal father-in-law," it wouldn't have been like that good as my father-in-law is. Now we're going to turn to a couple who are friends of mine. I went to their place, which is only a few minutes from my house. Hi! Hi, come on in! Thank you! Is this is the recorder and it's already on. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. <laughs> Your family! Good to see you. This high tech stuff. Oh my goodness. Isn't it cool? My name is Dushan Turchan. I'm Elizabeth Turchan. Could I be more awkward? <laughs> I like apples. Um, Can you say how long you've been married? Been married for 10 years? 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> it'll be 13. I'm kidding. It'll be 13 years in March. We have four kids. Dushan grew up in Serbia in a Slovak family. I mean, I grew up in a village in Serbia, like a rural area. Hlojani. People live in a village in the streets. I mean, in the town. But then they have fields outside of town. So it was living at home, going to the fields all the time. You know, people had pigs, chickens, right? That kind of thing. Did you? Yeah, pigs and chickens. And ducks. My grandma had ducks. We didn't have ducks. So, you know, like summer, it was all work in the fields and going to the river, swimming with friends and stuff. He came to the U.S. as an exchange student in 1991. Food was different. The way people acted it was like all strange i hated it It was like you guys are so dumb i don't know i, I had these all these culture shock things but pretty much everything you know how were people acting that you were thought were like too loud too yeah that yeah too loud different like people were, just, were different and no one even knew about the greatest sport and then you know nobody knew about soccer you know they were all watching football and baseball and i was like this is stupid i can't what what are they even playing? I can't even follow it. You know? Where are your soccer games? And they were like, make fun of me for doing soccer, you know. Dushan had been living in the U.S. for over 10 years when he met Elizabeth. I don't know if I noticed any differences in terms of culture when we first met. I did notice a slight accent in the very beginning. Although I guess shortly thereafter I never heard it again. But maybe I just got used to it. Dushan thinks that Slovak is a much more direct language. His pet peeve is when Americans say, if you want to come over. You want me to come over? Are you asking me to come over? Because, like, I'd rather just take a nap, but I'm happy to come. You know what I mean? Like, I, if you want, like, if you're inviting me, it's, oh, I'm inviting you. Please come to my house. Great. That makes sense, right? Anyway. Just the directness of the language. 
so when we communicate, having to be more conscious of being very specific and clear about what I mean. And now about meeting the family. Well, I think Dushan's going to have to tell the story of coming okay. to my house. Yeah, that, that was, that was oh, first, yeah. right? You visited my yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. So, now remember, we're not very communicative, so. So, so we came into their house, and her dad was right on the like in the office on the side here. Mm-hmm. Is on the computer. I came in, and I was like, "Oh hi!" He like turned around with from his chair from to go, "Oh hi, Dushan, welcome." Okay, and then he turned around and just kept. I was like, "Oh no!" Like that to me was like a big shock. Like, oh, he this guy me. doesn't like me at all. Like, this is gonna be terrible. But that's just how he My is. My parents you know? really did like Dushan a lot. Yeah. When when her mom first met me, she thought, "Oh, this must be the guy that Elizabeth's gonna marry." She's thinking by Christmas they'll be engaged. No, no. Later, she told me, "Well, when I first met you, I figured since you didn't ask us anything about marriage, probably for Christmas you will." And I was like, "I wasn't even thinking about." It. Well, I was. I was thinking about marriage, but uh, but I died. Well, I wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah. When I did ask them, she was like, "Finally." <laughs> then, when Dushan and Elizabeth were engaged. It was time for Elizabeth to go to Serbia. In this audio section, you're going to hear a little Beata who was sitting on her mom's lap. I think we were there for two weeks, and that was pretty overwhelming just in terms of the, well, one, just the cultural differences, and then two, the, the family cultural differences, just in terms of how close-knit everyone was and you know, I'm not part of that family yet, so it was, but it was like I felt very first. much like an outsider. <clears throat> and then also all of the language, the conversations, and not being able to understand any of it. And Dushan can't be just translating all the time. That's exhausting. And I for was. Him. You were doing a lot. But, you know, I remember at one point we had a big engagement party. And it was a lot of family and friends extended family family, and i just remember that being so overwhelming not knowing what everyone was saying and then everybody's talking about you because you're this new person who's gonna you know marry into the family everyone's talking about you but i'm the oldest in the entire extended family so this is like the first big feeling oh gosh Mm -hmm. so that was definitely hard and uncomfortable Oh, and at one point, sorry, I think it was during, it was in preparation for the party, and your dad, he gets you to go get me, so he's outside doing barbecue, (laughs) he gets Dushan to go get me, so I go outside to see what his dad wants, and he he says to me, Ellie, bring me a beer, so in my mind I'm thinking, like, wait, (laughs) what? (laughs) He just sent Dushan in, why couldn't Dushan just bring him the beer, like, what, I just was furious. Like, what is this? Like, why? What does he think I am? Just the beer girl? Like, I'm the one that's supposed to bring him the beer? So it turns out what it was like a a privilege kind of to... It was kind of like an honor. Like, oh, you know, I'll choose you. Because, you know, he's like, now he's like the patriarch, right? It's like the, right, the, right? So now it's like a privilege. Like, oh. I'll kind of single you out, like as a as a nice as a nice gesture, right? Oh, and that that's how you should take it. But right from for know, an outsider, the, yeah, it just for an American, that's seems why like excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth and Dushan try to keep the Slovak language and culture alive for their children. The language is a big one, which was not still is not easy because the natural tendency, of course, is to speak the language of 
the country you're in. I think that's just the universal experience that people have. It's really difficult to get your children to speak back to the parents. You kind of have to force them, which then makes them mad at you. But it's for their own good. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It's a struggle. Songs, books, you know, little stories. I kind of stopped now, but when they were younger, I would tell them stories. I would just make it up of Jan the Sheik, which is like this hero, like a, like a Robin Hood figure. It's a, it was a real person, but, you know, the stories about him, yeah, we're not really sure exactly right what happened. But so I would just like tell them stories. A lot of Dushan's ideas about gender roles come from Serbia. The male-female relationships are just different in the United States versus in their village there. There's definitely much more of a, a, of a role difference between men and women. Whereas here, you're going to see that a lot more fluid. I mean, yes, of course, women are going to be doing the bulk of the housework. That's, I think, just how it ends up being. But um, that was probably one challenge in our marriage, just kind of... I would never touch anything with the cooking, ever. My sister That's never the cultural norm there. Like there's not there's not a household that we've ever visited or been to where the man is cooking. Thankfully, I like to cook, so it works yeah. out. But I don't know that he could. But I, I don't I know would that not you not like. I would not want to be you know like cooking and decide. I mean, I don't know if it's just how I grew up, but like that would be the worst. But my sister would never touch a shovel to like dig up you know whatever like that was my thing my mom would dig up the garden but like as we're getting chores my sister would never get the digging chores that was always me because i'm the boy so it just made sense usually it was very clear cut Mm -hmm. you do this you do that Mm -hmm. she would dust i would vacuum i would never dust and she would never vacuum i was older also so bigger and a boy so and dusting you just much lighter work so or scrubbing floors, right? That was always my thing. The Churchon's kids will be at the end of the episode thanking you for listening. Now we're going to turn to the McLeans. So my name is Bernadette McLean. Uh, my name is Justin McLean. And we have four children. And we've been married for, it'll be uh, nine years this summer. The McLeans joke that they are high school sweethearts because they met in a high school, but as teachers, not as students. They met the day that Bernadette came to interview for the French position, and Justin is the Spanish teacher. Over the course of the next few months, we get to know one another better. We're emailing back and forth. If you're spending a lot of time with another teacher, people are going to talk. It's high school. Oh, totally. They knew before we knew that we were dating. In fact, um, when we finally started dating March of my first year, um, everyone thought we had been dating for six months. <laughs> and we thought, no, we were just slow. <laughs> we just had to figure this out. Um, but we were developing that friendship. In fact, Bernadette broke the ice with Justin because another teacher asked about it. Are you guys dating? Because I think you guys should really start going out. I said, okay, me too. <laughs> so, so it was really thanks to that nudging gave me the confidence just to start that conversation. Bernadette was attracted to Justin's faith and thoughtfulness. She knew that he'd gone to the seminary for a year and admired his courage in following God's lead, both in and out. Justin likewise found Bernadette faithful and fun to be around. On all accounts, she was someone whom I was drawn to. First, we had that friendship, but then uh, I realized there was something more there. Uh, Fortunately, 
uh, as of March 3rd, she <laughs> too realized that and finally said something formally. <laughs> Justin and Bernadette are both born and raised Americans. Race wasn't really something that they thought about as they were getting to know each other. You know, we were Facebook friends and I saw that he had gone to this black pro-life uh, meeting at the Capitol. And I'm thinking, oh, why'd he go there? And I click on that and I see him and all these any other, you know, beautiful brown faces. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, like, cool. Like, he's black. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then didn't think anything else of it. <laughs> For our listeners who can't see me, I have um, red hair, blue eyes, Irish American. So we really didn't even talk about any ethnic dynamic for what the first six months oh i, that, I mean that we were yeah i mean going that, out. It, because it it didn't really factor into anything within our dynamic if you will this fact is actually kind of extraordinary and beautiful considering justin's father's experience my father who grew up in north carolina he grew up under segregation he was born in 36 and he graduated high school the year that Brown versus Board of Education was decided. And that was in May of his senior year. So he never got to experience desegregation. All that he ever knew was segregation. He lived that entire experience. And he probably didn't expect at the time that one day three of his daughters-in-law would be white. He probably never could envision that. Justin grew up outside of D.C. in a diverse neighborhood and school system. So to him, there were no barriers to friendship with people from different backgrounds. There were many opportunities for conversation. There were many fruitful conversations that stem from that. And as we know, the church is a church of ethnic diversity. Technically speaking, it has been for nearly 2,000 years. If you look at the during the apostolic age of evangelization, where do the apostles go? To Ethiopia. Thomas going to India. Paul going to Turkey, to uh, modern-day Greece, of course. So the church began in an international setting, if you will. You had these Middle Eastern men, these apostles, spreading the good news around the world. Justin also reminds us about Mary's appearances. Whenever Mary has appeared around the world, she has appeared with the physical characteristics of the native people of that area. And that is a remarkable testament to the church that the Lord comes to extend the gift of salvation to people of all different colors. Of course, the church is still learning about how to celebrate that. Bernadette said that since being Catholic and being Americans were the top things to both her and Justin, the rest didn't matter as much, and their families were both welcoming. I remember I brought brownies, and I put them on the table, and Justin's dad, God love him, takes this huge portion of brownies and then puts them on his plate and then looks left, looks right, and says, did I take too much? And then continue to eat it anyway. And I remember thinking, oh, that's where he gets it from. Okay. Do you like to cook? I couldn't tell whether he was sizing me up for future. And I do believe that was the first question he ever asked you. Yeah, maybe. Do you like to cook? (laughs) Thinking, oh no, is this an interview? Justin and Bernadette have four kids. Two look a lot like me, like lighter skinned, red hair, and two more have Justin's coloring. And I love. 
I love going to the grocery store and saying, oh, that red hair, where that red hair come from? And depending on how much time I can talk, I'll say, um, oh, yeah. And they'll say, oh, does dad have red hair? No. Dad have dark hair? Yeah, dad has dark hair. Well, what's dad? I go, uh, light skin black. And then their eyes go wide. And I'm like, well, there you have it. <laughs> you know? One of Bernadette's funny experiences has to do with her daughters. Hair. <laughs> you know, there has been a learning curve there. Uh, you know, we do have three girls and their textures of hair are different than from mine. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of learning. We had a dear family friend take me aside and say, can I help you with their hair? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so that's been fun. And they are teaching the kids French and Spanish as well. They prefer English. They prefer they to respond to English. English. But well, even when we started our family, we thought, man, these kids are going to be black, white, speak French, Spanish. They're not going to know what, which way is what, <laughs> you know. Justin encourages people to relax and just get to know each other as individuals. Oh, and another thing. Justin and Bernadette are a man and a woman whose union has brought about, so far, four children. The idea that the legal prohibition of interracial marriage, which was very culturally determined, is in any way analogous to redefining marriage as two men or two women is just a false analogy. Go to the show notes for more about that. So when it comes to the differences that ethnicities bring to the table, I would encourage people to relax, to be laid back, to be open and willing to talk to people of different ethnic backgrounds. It's such a beautiful experience to be able to speak to people of different backgrounds. Ask them questions about that. Ask them about cultural elements. Sometimes people are afraid of generalization, and perhaps rightly so, because that's when stereotypes enter in. So we can't generalize when it comes to people. We can't decide, since you're this ethnic background, therefore you ascribe to this, this, and this. Or you enjoy this type of food. Or you only wear this type of dress. When those generalizations enter in, that's when things can become awkward. And finally, I'm ending the episode with the Estacios, who are both American and both Asian, but still live with cultural differences from their backgrounds. Hi, my name is Dun Estacio. I am a native Houstonian, proud, we're proud Texan, and I am a first-generation American. I'm Hong Estacio. I am a stay-at-home mom. And, and Mary, are you going by Hong or are you going by Mary? I guess you can go by Hong. I don't know. Okay, got it. All right, one, two, three. Okay, wait. Wait, that's the story. <laughs> okay, so so I'm Vietnamese, and my Vietnamese name is Hong, or Huong, pronounced correctly. But since I can remember, I've taken my, if you'd say, saint name that I was baptized with. So I've always gone by Mary because it's always been a challenge sometimes for people to pronounce my name. Dunn knows me as both Hong and Mary, and that's why he's asking. I said Hong. I don't know. Sometimes I go by Hong, sometimes I go by Mary. Dunn and Huang, or Mary, met as teenagers thanks to a social media platform that predates Facebook, Asian Avenue. Dunn's Vietnamese friend had a profile on it. His tag was Asian, what was it? Pinoy Romeo? Pinoy Romeo. And Pinoy is another word for Filipino. 
Filipino, Filipino guy. Okay. Filipino guy. So a girl would be Pinay and a boy would be Pinoy. And he was Pinoy Romeo, but there was nothing within his background or family that was Filipino. That That's what made the story um, even funnier. So on Asian Avenue, this group of people decided to meet for the first time. Mary wanted to make sure that you all knew that they had been chatting for years and that they knew people in common, so it wasn't a totally random encounter. Now, back in the day, we teenagers did this thing called hanging out in groups. We would meet up and go to random places. We would go to the mall, putt-putt, movies, silver diner, and that's what this group did. When the night was winding down, one of the girls liked one of the guys, but she didn't have a phone, so she got Mary Huang to give her number to the guys, and that's all that Dunn needed. When I, when I first saw I was like, wow, this girl is really pretty. That's part of John Paul II's responsibility in love is attraction. So obviously I was physically attracted to this, this young lady, right? Um, and she's a year younger than me. She caught my eye throughout the whole night, and I was just trying to get her attention. I was trying to flirt with her. I was trying to try, trying to put something out, um, but I got nothing back in return. I didn't feel like uh, the feeling was mutual. Dunn describes it as a love from different sides of the tracks. Mary was preppy, and he was wearing FUBU. I was attracted to his sense of humor. Um, he made me laugh. It wasn't a physical attraction in the mm. beginning. <laughs> but it was his sense of humor and his love for God. It was really hard to find a Vietnamese Catholic guy or even just Asian Catholic guys that had a strong Catholic identity. A lot of them, it was just kind of in the background. They weren't very vocal, very involved in their faith. And he was. And that excited me. I, I liked that. That was something that I found very attractive. Both of their sets of parents probably would have preferred their children to marry someone whose family was from the same country. Perhaps Mary's even more than Dunn's. My parents preferred a Vietnamese guy, but when it came down to it, as I got older and we would talk about it, their only thing was as long as you guys love each other, preferably Catholic, but, you know, outside of that, it doesn't matter. In Houston, there's a really big Vietnamese Catholic community. We have, like, whole parishes that are just Vietnamese. We have, like, four or five of them. I don't know. So, yeah, don't we know. have we, we have several, which is really kind of different yeah. than other parts of the country. And um, you'll have, like, for a weekend, five, six, seven masses, and only one of them are English. If you want to do religious ed at a Vietnamese parish, it comes with Vietnamese language classes. In addition... Filipinos are louder than Vietnamese families. Like it takes an hour to say goodbye to everyone because you have to go and hug each person and say goodbye and talk to them for a little bit. And then finally, unless you like kind of sneak out, that's probably the part that I had to maneuver. I don't know. <laughs> Usually when her mom is like approving of me, like there's one time she like put her hand on my shoulder and that was like mind blowing. Like, oh my gosh, she loves me! She put one finger on me, yes! And day to day, there's another simple difference. One of the things, I don't know if it's culture as well, but you guys are super clean. And I thought my mom and my family was clean, but they're super immaculate. Like, I mean, we take our shoes off, but they take it off. If you have your shoes on in the house, 
then you're you're excommunicated from the family. You know what I mean? Like it's super super clean. That's a cultural thing. Like the Asian, you take your shoes off at the door. That's the Asian culture, right? Japanese, Chinese, whatever. That's just something you do. Whereas y'all don't mind wearing your shoes inside the house. Ooh, I hate that. <laughs> so dirty. <laughs> The Estacio's children all have three names, a double first name, which is a Filipino tradition, followed by a Vietnamese name. These kids have a rich cultural background that will hopefully add a lot to their lives. For Dunn, it's all about getting each other and their kids to heaven. The diversity and holiness, and so the diversity we take from our two cultures, maybe even three, the American culture, and kind of all of that in a pot is kind of the the Estacio household, our little domestic. Before I sign off, the Church on Kids want to thank you for listening. And please leave a review on iTunes if you can. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.